Hear that? That's the sound of your car's NCT getting closer. But this year, why not rely on an Avantcard loan rather than luck? If it's time to upgrade your car to something newer, it's time you contacted Avantcard. Avantcard offers loans from 5,000 to 75,000 euro, approval in principle in minutes, and personalised pricing made for you. Find out more at avantcard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avantcard DAC Trading's Avantcard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going today? What's up, man? It's been too long. I'm psyched. Yeah, it's been a long time. We uh, we actually tried to have a show uh, the other day and had some technical difficulties on our end, but we're excited to be back. And we're excited to welcome our uh, our guest, Evan Silva. He's the senior football editor over at Roto World. Evan, how are you today, man? I'm doing great, guys. It's, it's good we... Uh finally got this moving and uh, hopefully we can spit some fire here yeah absolutely we've we've got plenty to talk about that's for sure with a, a a week almost a week of free agency some trades and some other news around the league so we're go- we're going to jump right in Matt I know you've got something on your mind before we get to all this news yeah what, I do what, and, what's going on in your dynasty league and this is you're the commissioner of this league this is hyperactive four. You brought me in in a dispersal draft, I think, two years ago. Basically, I've had a dreadful team, but I'm really building it up well. I've got guys like Gurley, Hyde, Evans, Cooks, Watkins. Everybody's young. Got a good young core. My receiver, or my quarterbacks and tight ends could use some work. Uh, I don't have much in the way of picks this year, but I have two firsts for 17 and three, se- three seconds for 17. And as everyone knows, I'm super into the 17 picks. Um, right before we came on the air, somebody offered me one uh, one one, which to me is Elliot all day long, and a seventeen one for Evans. And I would never consider offering Evans. I mean, to me, Evans is untradeable or close to it. But I was like, hmm, you know, this guy—that's not a bad op- uh, opening bid. I'll flirt with it a little bit. And I went back and I tried to get Dorsett and Perryman somehow thrown in, and I had picks and whatnot. Doesn't look like Perryman's leaving town, but then he came back to me with Evans Dorset or Evans for Dorset one one seventeen one, which I think is going to be high. That's important in this deal. And Dorset, and I've kind of him hawed with him a little bit, and now he's throwing in the three one. Do I hit accept? So when you initially, you know, brought up the trade, it was just one one and a two thousand seventeen first for Mike Evans, and that wasn't enough. But now he's offering you Philip Dorsett, who I still think has first-round dynasty rookie draft pick value, maybe maybe mid to late first, you know. Um, but I mean, I think it's an offer worth take worth taking seriously. I don't. I would not want to be trying to get rid of Evans, but I think it's a, a solid package. What do you think, McD? And I don't trust McD because he's in this league. <laughs> And he feels me breathing down his throat. I'll try to be impartial. Um, 
I'm like you, Matt. I, I'm a pretty pretty big fan of Evans. I would, you know, in most situations, wouldn't consider dealing him away. But this this is a strong offer. You mentioned you have Todd Gurley, and the idea of pairing Gurley and Elliott uh, is pretty enticing. This guy seems to be uh, willing to work with you a little. He's he's thrown in a couple of pieces already. Um, and if that first rounder looks high, even though I'm in the league, I'm I'm honestly not really familiar with what his team looks like. But if that first rounder looks like it could be a high one, we we both have talked about that class next year. I think I'd probably click accept. I think I would sell Evans for the one one. So it's it's Elliot, a future first, uh, Dorset, and the three one, which could get you a decent you know a decent prospect this year as well. Right, and the bottom of my roster isn't very good, you know, so I can use 3-1 to go get somebody I like, or, I mean, I would use that pick. He would make my team. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. And along these lines, I also just made a trade like two days ago for, for Dorsett, so I've been kind of targeting him, like Evan mentioned. I think he's a great buy low right now. I mean, what has he done to make his stock fall at all? Right. I, I think he's a great buy low right now, too, and I think that people should be trying to buy him low. And you're getting Dorsett, Zeke Elliott, and 2017 first is what it equates to. And I think that that is that's sufficient. You're firmly with Ezekiel Elliott as the 1-1 one, one now. I know over the past couple weeks, we've both started strong with Treadwell, and that's waning a little bit for us. Um, so you've moved full on Elliott at 1-1? One, one. Yeah, I can't really think of a logical landing spot that would really screw me up with him. And... And, you know, I had won one in this league before, last year, too, and I took Gurley. And that would be two years in a row where I put my money where my mouth is and go against my strategy of taking the best receiver. But I just think these guys are clearly better than the second option. You know, with all respect to Cooper and White, obviously, I like those guys a ton, and Cooper's been awesome. But I thought Gurley was a special player a year ago. I don't think Elliott's quite in that class, but I'm not big on the other receivers. Yeah, I, I watched... Laquan Treadwell in February really really liked him. Um, I think that it's worth you know wondering if there are some serious limitations to his game, and it's not just the rumors of him running a four seven. It's you know nine foot nine broad jump. It's you know thirty three inch vertical. You know sometimes players excel in college, and you know they don't have the the athletic. Uh, make up to make the jump and be and continue to be a dominant player um, in in the NFL and I think that there are are you know uh, some some athletic red flags with Laquan Treadwell I think he'll be a starter in the NFL and I think he'll be a good player but will he be a difference maker for your dynasty team and I, right now I think Zeke Elliott has a better chance to be a difference maker for your dynasty team than Laquan Treadwell does. Yeah, we also had Matt Harmon on last week, and, and he reminded us that uh, drops were also an issue for Treadwell in college. So that's that's another thing, you know, that might knock him down uh, out of that 1.10 or 1.01 consideration. Well, while uh, while Matt clicks accept on that deal, let's move forward and look at some of this news that that has just taken us over the past few days and. Uh, we are recording this on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, and it is Selection Sunday for college basketball fans. I don't know if you guys are big uh, college hoops fans, but living in Kentucky, I really can't avoid it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the Wildcats and, and all these other teams in the, in the NCAA tournament next week. And in the spirit of that, I have 
taken a look at all of these players that we've seen. Uh, some stay with their team, some uh, get traded or, or sign with a new team. And I've seeded each of these players that we're going to talk about today from 1 to 16. We're going to start with the 16 seed and just discuss the, the impact of that player with his new team and any change in his dynasty value. So let's start with the 16 seed, uh, well deserving of a 16 seed, I would say. Mark Sanchez was traded by the Eagles to the Denver Broncos, who we know uh, are looking for a quarterback, and we'll talk more about that one later. I think the I think the Eagles got a seventh round pick for Sanchez, and and they're just clearing house, uh, getting rid of uh, any player associated with Chip Kelly, um, and to get anything for Sanchez, I think is uh, is noteworthy. So is Sanchez the starter in Denver? Is is the first question, and does he have any dynasty value at all? Evan, what do you think? In Denver, he's a short-term stopgap at best. I mean, first of all, in Dynasty, he is a fringe QB3, I think. And, you know, I think in an ideal scenario for for you as a Dynasty owner of Mark Sanchez, he's making starts in 2016. But, you know, at best, he's doing what Peyton Manning did last year, and that's just being, you know, uh, being utilized as a game manager and really not helping you in fantasy. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's got a better chance to start a few games in Denver and, you know, maybe you can use him to stream against a, a really bad defense or something like that. Uh, but, you know, I, I suppose he, he gained a little bit of dynasty value with the trade, but he still is what he is. And at best, he's a short-term placeholder in Denver. At best, yeah, I mean, right. he's, you know, and I think we all agree, he's an NFL backup all day long. Actually, probably one of the better ones, considering how bad this the position is right now across the league. And we also probably agree, another shoe's going to drop here, too. I mean, RG3, Kaepernick, Fitzpatrick, um, Connor Cook. Uh, I mean, it's, they can't go in with just these two that are on their roster right now. It, it still has to be priority number one to add somebody else to at least create competition but I kind of commend the Broncos for doing this. I mean, after being very rough on them after Osweiler left and Trevathan and all that and how the way they've handled C.J. Anderson, that at least they now have a fallback plan. At least it's not, you know, the three of us playing quarterback for. Yeah, I agree with you guys. You know, in, in the big picture, this move has relatively little dynasty impact. A week ago, I don't think Sanchez was worth a roster spot in your typical dynasty league. And he was he was actually a hot pickup in in most of my leagues this weekend. So maybe he's worth uh you know worth a shot for a few weeks or maybe maybe even just a few days if Denver is successful in in acquiring another quarterback. I know you mentioned Fitzpatrick; they're talking to him. You know we'll see where it goes, but he's he's not a guy to uh, rush out and grab off your waiver wire. All right, the 15 seed um, is a wide receiver who's changed teams this week. Mohamed Sanu has gone from Cincinnati to Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons. I was really shocked, and, and I think a lot of people were shocked by the contract he got. Uh, I believe it was a five-year deal, and he got similar money to some of the other free agent wide receivers that um, were thought to be more highly regarded, more highly sought after. So can Sanu be the number two in, in Atlanta, and should, we, should he be on our dynasty radar? Matt, why don't you start with this one? I don't think he's a very good player. 
to be very honest with you. I mean, he has a lot of drops. I don't think he's very explosive. I think he's ideally, like he was in Cincinnati when everyone's healthy, the fourth option in a receiving game, you know, not even a number three guy. Uh, you mix in Geo, maybe he's even the fifth guy at times. Uh, I think that's who he is. I, I don't I don't understand why the Falcons would give this kind of money. Um, I, we, of course, we've talked about that the receiver market is extremely thin, and a lot of these teams obviously want to play a lot of three and four receiver sets. So it's a good good year to be a receiver on the market, but I, I'm not a fan at all. I think it's a bad move for the Falcons. I don't want them on my fantasy team. If I happen to have them now, dump them and get anything you can. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of Mohamed Sanu. We saw what happened in 2014 when he had a big role in the Bengals' offense, and Andy Dalton had the worst season of his career. Mohamed Sanu led the NFL in drops. Uh, you know, he is a very, very limited player. I do think that this situation might have been one of the better situations he could have gone to because the Falcons do not have a big-time pass-catching tight end. Obviously, they have Julio, who's going to be continue to be a target monster, but he, he gets to go to a team that you know is willing to be aggressive throwing the football. Uh, Matt Ryan is an you know, above average starting NFL quarterback, and he's going to have a, a, a chance. I mean, I, I think he should top 100 targets in Atlanta, whereas last year I think he only saw around 50. Um, so it, it's a boost to his dynasty value. I think he'll probably be overdrafted and, and redraft. Um, but, you know, if you're a dynasty owner and you had Mohamed Sanu, like I don't think, I don't think you're, you're thinking, well, he could have gone to a better a better situation. I think you're thinking, you know, maybe this guy has a chance to catch 70 passes for 900 yards and five to seven touchdowns, and I think they'll use him a lot like they did Leonard Hankerson last year um, because they're similar type players. I would say that Mohamed Sanu maybe is a little bit better than Leonard Hankerson. Um, but there were some weeks where Leonard Hankerson was usable. You know, they would line him up in the slot. They would – uh, use some pick, like pick and rub plays uh, in the red zone to get him the ball. You know, like I, like I said, I think Mohamed Sanu can hover around 70 catches and catch five to seven touchdowns and uh, be a guy who you're you're streaming. Um, you know, when your other wide receivers are on a bye, and you know, I, I don't I don't think it's a bad situ. Uh, I think it's a pretty good situation, relatively speaking, for Mohamed Sanu from a dynasty standpoint. So other than the surprising contract, I, I guess this move didn't really register with me. I expected Sanu to leave Cincinnati. It, it didn't seem like they really gave much of an effort to to retain him, so I wasn't surprised he left. Um, we know Atlanta needs a second wide receiver. You know, Roddy White was not himself the past couple of years, and, and he's gone now, so that part's not surprising. I, I don't know. It just didn't... This was just like a so-what move to me. But hearing you say that he could see a hundred targets, you know. That really gets my attention. I, I think he's he has to, if if that's the expectation, he has to be well worth the roster spot and and maybe even in consideration to be like, you know, kind of like you said, a, a fringe starter, by week injury replacement kind of guy. Yeah, um, I think he'd be like a wide receiver four slash five who has some wide receiver three weeks, and you know you're. You're hanging on to him because he's a starter in the NFL, and you know he's he's going to have weeks where he gets you know five to seven targets, and he's kind of big. I mean, he he's really really limited, you know. So I'm being like glass half full here, right? But 
he'll have some decent weeks, I think. So you guys, you guys don't think the Falcons are done, though, do you? I mean, I would think they still use a first or second round pick on a wide receiver or tight end. Well, that would crush him. I mean, that would crush right, him. Right. You know? I mean, yeah, yeah. So you, you, you could be right. I mean, hey, if they draft Josh Doxson at 17 or 18 or wherever they're drafting, or, right. he, he's screwed for well, sure. Yeah. And, and Hardy, I think, doesn't get hurt too bad by this either. Um, so let's look at the 14 seed. And this is one guy that, that I wasn't really thinking about going into free agency. I don't think many were, uh, but the Patriots were. They signed a former Bills wide receiver, Chris Hogan, to an offer sheet, and the Bills did not even take five days. They, they declined to match, so Hogan is now a New England Patriot. And he's another guy like Sanchez and like Sanu that, at least in most of my leagues, probably your guys' leagues as well, he was, he was not on a roster. Um, and, and he was a hot waiver wire pickup this weekend. Can he be the next, you know, Wes Welker, Danny Amendola kind of guy to um, really have very limited value pre-New England and then become a fantasy starter? 7-Eleven is always open. You know, <laughs> he's, he's another white dude, but I think he's a little different than the Welker, Edelman... You know, Amendola type. He's a little bigger. I think he can be a little more effective on the outside. I don't know what to think when they go out and get receivers, though. I mean, so few of them ever work, and I think it's just such a complex offense. Getting you know timing routes, option routes, getting on the same page with Brady isn't easy. Doesn't shock me at all. The Bills didn't you know didn't take any time to deal with it at all because they're really cash strapped. That they were lucky to even bring back their two offensive linemen. Uh, I didn't. I mean, if he was on the waiver wire, I looked at my leagues to pick him up, but I would never go out and actively pursue him. Yeah. So let's throw this out there. I don't know how your guys' dynasty leagues work, but mine work that if dudes are on the waiver wire right now, they're not owned. They go into the rookie pool. So let's talk about you know where would you guys start to think about Chris Hogan? Versus, I mean, you know, we all know, I think, that this is a really, really weak year for rookie picks. You know, would you start to think about Chris Hogan, like, mid-second round? Or would it be later or even earlier? Later. Yeah, later for me as well. I, th I think that conversation has to mirror basically asking yourself, what would you trade for this player? What You know, what would you trade for Hogan? Would you trade a mid-second rounder? There's no way I would. I'm with Matt. I picked him up in, in a couple of leagues as well. Most of my leagues do have open waivers during the offseason, but I think uh, I think leagues like you described, Evan, are probably more common where free agents are, are thrown into the rookie draft. Even in this class that's viewed as, as fairly weak and, and shallow, he'd be an early third rounder at best for me. Six foot one, two hundred twenty pounds. So, not really like Amendola, who's you know five nine, um, run ran four five flat coming out. He's beat the Patriots up uh, this past year. Had a six catch for ninety five yard game against them uh, in two thousand fourteen. Had five five catches for seventy two yards and a touchdown against the Patriots. They like him, and so that that I mean, it, 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 any time that the Patriots want to go out and get a guy and be aggressive about it, I mean, you remember they tried to get Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you know, they they have a pretty good eye for talent, not for rookie wide receiver talent coming out of college, of course, but they have a pretty good eye for 
you know, wide receivers that fit their system that have already played in the NFL. It seems like their pro personnel department in that area maybe is a little bit better than their college scouting department. Whatever the case, you know, this certainly gives Chris Hogan a lot more value than he had before. And, um, yeah, I think you're you're starting to think think about him right around the the second round turn if he if he's a free agent and he's in your rookie draft. They were supposed to be looking at Sanu and Richard Matthews too. So yep. I don't know if this was a consolation prize or what, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can he be the can he be the third target there behind Edelman and Gronk? I would assume that's their intentions. You know, by the the nature of this contract, I think that's what they're looking for. I think they're looking for him to be Brandon LaFell of 2014. Let's move on to our number 13 seed, and I think the rest of these guys um, were not quite as surprising, I guess. They were already on the dynasty landscape. One of those that, that you just mentioned is Richard Matthews, who has uh, signed with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this is one I'm not excited about. Evan, what about you? Yeah, I was hoping he'd go to New England. You know, think about how much more upbeat we'd be about Richard Matthews compared to Chris Hogan, because we we've seen Richard Matthews. I mean, he he made a lot of plays last year. You know, he he's a he's a pretty good player. He's 26 years old. Um, when it, he he could play slot and a little bit outside. As a rookie, he played a ton of slot receiver, um, but. I think he's just going to be an upgrade for Harry Douglas. I don't know. I mean, if Doriel Green Beckham flops, I think Rashard Matthews could be in a great situation and might might have a chance to be the number one, you know, behind number one wide receiver behind Delaney Walker, but uh, you know, might have a chance to lead the Titans in receiver targets. But that's assuming a lot. I, I, I'm guessing that you guys have high expectations for Green Beckham. I do. You know, I, I think he has a chance to be a, a legit number one in the NFL and right now I, I don't I don't love the situation for Richard Matthews. I think that he will be, you know, maybe a, a sixty to eighty target guy and I think that if you were a dynasty owner you were hoping that he'd go to New England. Evan said that really well in my opinion. Um except for well, not except for if I was a Titans fan, though, I would be pretty excited about this. You know, I think this makes them a lot better team. Not a lot yep. better team, but yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't help him from a fantasy perspective. And often there's a big divide there. And, you know, there's often that theory that you don't assemble a basketball team with your receivers. You know, where Kendall Wright's your shooting guard and Thornhill Green Beckham and Delaney Walker are your center and, and power forward. Well, Matthews is kind of your, your small forward. You know, I mean, he's your... Somewhere in between those guys, uh, I thought he played well for Miami last year. Yeah, and I know that a lot of people attribute it to the foot injury to for Devonte Parker, and that's very fair. But you know, until week eleven or week twelve or whatever is that Jets game where Rashard Matthews fractured his ribs and he was effectively done for the season. He held off Devonte Parker, a really talented first round pick, for a starting job almost for an entire season. He was really, really productive, average almost 10 yards per target, uh, which was the best number in this free agent class where guys like Marvin Jones and Travis Benjamin were getting a lot more buzz. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I think, I think he has playmaking ability at the intermediate level. Yeah, I agree with Matt. I think this is probably a better move for the Titans team and Titans fans than it is for dynasty owners. Um, 
I think Matthews just gets lost in the shuffle there. I, I don't think he's I don't think he's better than Kendall Wright. Uh, we know Delaney's going to eat up targets, and and hopefully DGB can take the next step. You know, we'll talk more about their backfield later, but they've had some changes there that that are going to impact how much they're passing the ball as well. One last note, though. I mean, you could see them this team not having Hunter and Wright a year from now. So you know. And I mean that's that's forecasting quite a ways down, but he might be the clear number two in 2017. Absolutely. Yeah. And Tony Walker will be on the wrong side of 30 by then. Right. Right. And he may be the one by then if Green Beckham blows up off the field or something. I'm uh, I'm actually surprised Justin Hunter's still on that roster. Yeah. So am I. I loved him too. I hate to admit yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so frustrating. <laughs> yep. So, so we saw a little bit of a bidding war between the Houston Texans and the Denver Broncos for our number 12 seed, and uh, Brock Osweiler, the quarterback who has started eight career games in, uh, I believe it's four seasons now, got $18 million per year to sign with the Houston Texans. He's their new starter. You know, whatever you think of Osweiler, he has to be, he has to give them a better shot than than Brian Hoyer. Any fantasy impact here? Can he be? Can he can he be a low in quarterback one? No, I mean I don't see that out of him. I mean from a football perspective, you know, dynasty and, and fantasy aside, I think they vastly overspent. But that's what happens with quarterbacks. You know, he's only played seven games. But boy, I mean, they've been they went to the playoffs this year after starting four four quarterbacks. You know, they were they've been a middle of the road five hundred type team with some of the absolute worst quarterback play in the league. I think Bill O'Brien knows his stuff and can get an awful lot out of much less talents than Osweiler. I don't think Osweiler is a talent. Many do. You know, people say, oh, he's a big, tall guy. He's like Flacco. He doesn't throw the ball half as well as Flacco. No. Uh, you know, I mean, and he has a lot of work to do reading defenses and getting the ball out of his hands on time. But I think O'Brien can help him quite a bit. I mean, I guess it's a boost for the team for sure, long term. It gives him some hope. Um, I guess Watkins, although Watkins is about as peaked out as you could be, I would think this team has to add some speed somewhere, though. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to Lamar Miller, but they're slow at tight end. The receivers are slow. If their first-round pick was Fuller out of Notre Dame or something like that, that would make some sense, too. Yeah. So Osweiler had a lot of problems last year. I mean, there was a reason that they went back to Peyton Manning. You know, he had a tendency to hold on to the ball too long. Uh, he was a one-read quarterback, and that's why you'd see him have, like, spurts of very productive play, and then it would just fall off the table. You know, he would have – he had a lot of uh, games where he'd be really good in the first half, and he, he could not move the offense at all in the second half. And it was almost like the, 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 the opponent figured him out over the course of the game. So he's got a long way to go. I mean, I know – you know, everybody wants the, the quarterback to sit these days. Um, I mean, you know, the like, peop, uh, observers of the NFL, the NFL teams actually want them to play. But, um, you know, this guy, it, he, it still seems like he's a project to me. Um, the the one thing, if, if I was an Osweiler dynasty owner, that I could hang my hat on a little bit would be, of course, the presence of DeAndre Hopkins, who I think is good enough that he can elevate a quarterback. And also... Uh, Bill O'Brien's history. If you go back, you know, at Penn State, I mean, he was getting mileage out of Matt McGloin uh, in Christian Hackenberg's 
one year with Bill O'Brien, he was supposed to be the number one overall pick, or you know, the future number one overall pick in the draft. If you go to Houston, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick had a pretty good year under uh, Bill O'Brien last year, or in 2014, and then in 2015, I mean, Hoyer had some. Uh, pretty productive weeks relative for Brian Hoyer. And, I mean, TJ Yates had a productive start against the Jets. Brandon Whedon had the best start of his career. Uh, so I think Bill O'Brien's a pretty good quarterback tutor based on, I don't know if that's a small sample size, but he's done it at the pro and college levels that he is, it seems like he has maximized the talents of his quarterbacks. And he, and he should be able to do that with Brock Osweiler. So I'm kind of down on Brock Osweiler's talent. But or you know where he is at this stage of his quarterback development, but I think that the situation you couldn't ask for a whole lot better as a dynasty owner. I don't expect him to be a top 12 guy in 2015, but I think that he can be a guy who hovers in that 12 to 16 range, and you know has some good games against uh, defenses that aren't aren't too great, and you can try to use him in those weeks. You know, I I think that quarterback streaming is very much. Uh, a viable strategy in dynasty, just like it is in redraft. And you know, when, when he's making starts against bad defenses, I think that he'll he'll be on your radar. Like I, I can use this guy, and it's not a bad start this week. Yeah, with Osweiler, I, you know, I think in the end, I agree with you, Evan. We just saw too much negative um, from him. If you're buying him, you're buying because of Bill O'Brien and because of DeAndre Hopkins. Let's move over to our... One, one last thing I want to mention, and this yeah. will tie into Miller down the line, too. I'm just curious. This is one of the strangest stats for me of 2015. Houston had noticeably more offensive snaps than any team in the league. Is that how they want to play? I mean, I don't... You know, we can, you know, I do a lot of homework on it, but you know, the Eagles were second. That makes sense. They're always in hurry-up mode. And it wasn't like the Texans got tons and tons of, you know... Uh, interceptions and fumbles to get the ball back to him like Carolina did. I don't know how that happened, but that sure helps fantasy. Yeah, that's true. I didn't realize that, but that's that's another, you know, just small check in, in Osweiler's uh, favor. Yeah, that was a stat that was brought up a lot from a, from D, in, in DFS because, you know, they were playing fast, especially in the first half of the season and just ripping off a lot of plays. But it also coincided when their defense wasn't good. You remember right. in the first half of the season, their defense was crappy, which is weird to think back on it because I think that a lot of people think Texans awesome D, and that's really what got them to the playoffs. I mean, they might have had, you know, them in Kansas City might have had the best two defenses in the league in the second half of the year. Uh, but their defense was just total crap. In the, like for the first six or seven weeks of the year, and I think that played a, a pretty significant role in their play total. But it's odd to me, too, that they would be able to do the, to play that fast for the year with four different quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like yeah. they're Brady, you know? Just wanted to throw that out there. I just don't know. I can't wrap my head quite around that one yet. All right, our number 11 seed is the only player on our list that did not change teams. Uh, Dwayne Allen, the tight end, uh, stayed with the Colts, which is, is noteworthy for a couple of reasons. Of course, they had Kobe Fleener as well, and it seemed that every everybody expected Fleener to be the one to stay in Indianapolis with, with Allen likely to leave town. Uh, but he signed a, a big contract uh, to stay in, stay in Indianapolis, and, and that led to Fleener's departure. 
now that Allen is the only tight end there, or the only, uh, I guess, reputable tight end there, can he move up into that tight end one range? Do we like Allen more with Fleener gone? Uh, can he even stay healthy? I don't know if he can stay healthy. You know, that's obviously been a huge question mark for him to this point in his career. But I think I think it's a great spot for him in Dynasty. You know, I don't think the I think this offense is very likely to bounce back. I think that, you know, getting Andrew Luck back is going to do wonders for the entirety of the offense. And Dwayne Allen, he'll do a lot of blocking for sure, but he'll also be a red zone target. And I think they're going to go back to scoring a lot of touchdowns. And no Kobe Fleener there. You know, I don't know that Dwayne Allen will ever be a high-volume receiver, but I think he'll be a touchdown scorer. And at a position like tight end where there are a few awesome dudes and then there's just not a whole lot after the the awesome dudes. Um, I think that he would be toward of the he would be toward the top at this point of the not so awesome tight ends, and um, I, I think he could score you know seven to touch seven to ten touchdowns you know if if if, it's, if his health cooperates. So Fleener leaving, Dwayne Allen resigning, he's going to be an every down player. They're going to be a three by one offense where they, they you know they're going to play three wide receivers and they're going to have one tight end and he's going to be the tight end. You know, I, some people are down on Dwayne Allen, and I understand that. He, he was bad last year. He had a bad season. He, he's been hurt a lot. Uh, but he, he's healthy now, and Andrew Luck is going to be healthy. And I think it, it's a good spot for his fantasy value right now. Totally agree. Obviously, he does have to change teams. There's no you know, learning the system, any of those type of things. I think we all believe Luck is still a great player, even though he didn't play like it before his injury. You know, I, I agree with everything Evan said. I think he gets a bump here. That doesn't mean I'm running out to get him. Um, I do think he'll catch touchdowns, though. You know, Hilton and Dorsett aren't going to be red zone guys. Yeah, yeah. You look at T.Y. Hilton, man, he's, what, 5'9", 5'10", Dorsett, 5'10". Dante Moncrief is, what, 6'2". Uh, he has a chance to be really good, but he's not there yet. And Dwayne Allen, I mean, uh, it wouldn't shock me if he led the team in receiving touchdowns this upcoming year. You know, I think that's at the high range of his potential outcomes, but I think it's within his range of potential outcomes. And you would think the Colts are going to do something more on their offensive line. I mean, we say that every year, but maybe they use a first-round pick there. I mean, just help the offense overall. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think Allen and Fleener, you know, they just really canceled each other out as far as their production, their fantasy production, and they were both, for most people, I think, sitting outside of that top 12 tight end range, that tight end one range that we talk about. I think both of them gained, gained some value this week. Uh, we'll talk more about Fleener in, in a few minutes, though. Um, we mentioned Rashard Matthews, who had a breakout season in 2015. Another receiver who we saw breakout was Travis Benjamin, speedy wide receiver for the Browns. It became their number one target last year, and he has signed with San Diego. I, I see him replacing Malcolm Flo Floyd there. Floyd retired. Uh, they've got Gates back. They've got Allen back, and I think Benjamin can slide right into that Malcolm Floyd role. I think uh, I think he gained some value with this move to the Chargers. Matt, do you agree? Uh, yes. You know, I mean, in Cleveland last year, he was basically their number one or number two option. That's not going to be the case here. He's another one that probably won't catch a lot of touchdowns. I'm probably happier if I'm a Chargers fan than I am a Benjamin owner. You know, I, I think he's a nice addition to their football team. You know, like I mentioned with Houston, 
their receivers are slow. You know, I mean, they need some speed at the tight end receiver position after losing Ladarius Green as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think he brings some speed element that Floyd had. Um, they also signed Hayward just a couple minutes ago, too. The defensive back was a really nice pickup. I, I think the Chargers have had a pretty good offseason. Yeah, I, I do, too. Um, I, I don't like this landing spot for Travis Benjamin. I think I could have thought of a lot better ones. I just, you know, Keenan Allen is a ball-commanding wide receiver, and he's going to be a target monster, and I don't think that's going to change. Antonio Gates re-signed for two years. He's a ball commander as well. You know, I think that he's going to continue to be a high-volume target. So what you're left with, I think, with Travis Benjamin, and I, I think people might look at the quarterback situation and be like, ooh, we got, he gets to go with Phillip Rivers, but first of all, their offense really isn't a vertical offense anymore. It's not, you know, it's not like it used to be with Norv Turner. It's... Um, it's Philip Rivers, you know, commanding the game at the line of scrimmage. It's you know getting the ball out of his hands quickly. It's um, you know to to try to mitigate what their bad offensive line uh, has you know ha- has had to deal. They've had to deal with on the offensive line. Maybe the offensive line will bounce back. I don't think they're going to suddenly turn into a vertical passing offense. And I think Travis Benjamin is a vertical receiver. And I think he's going to have a lot of weeks where he's. You know, four four targets, uh, two catches, forty nine yards, and I don't think that's going to help you. You know, that doesn't help you in fantasy. Um, I just I would have rather seen him from a, a dynasty owner perspective go to a team where I thought he was going to get a lot of targets, and I don't think he'll he'll get a lot of targets in San Diego, and I think he'll be just a, a really volatile fantasy commodity to where. He has some weeks where he has three catches for, you know, 93 yards and a touchdown, and then the next week he comes back and has two catches for 37 yards. And I think he'll be really, really up and down. Uh, I think he was a good addition for the Chargers. I think he will help them. He may help their run game, um, you know, that, that having that vertical presence. But I don't think he's going to be a big fantasy factor uh, in San Diego. So if he would have went to Atlanta, I would have got a little more excited. You know what I mean? Agree, agree. Like I'd rather that happened in Sanu and somewhere else. So Benjamin Evan, based on what you're saying, sounds like a player you'd rather have on an MFL ten or a best ball team rather than a, a typical dynasty team. Yeah, and and even in MFL ten, you know, with the shine of him going hooking up with Philip Rivers, like he's going to be overdrafted. You know, if I was a dynasty owner of Travis Benjamin. I'd be trying to play up the fact that he gets to go play with Philip Rivers, and I'd be trying to move him. All right, let's move on to our number nine seed. And Matt, I know this one. This one stung for you. Uh, Chris Ivory, formerly of the Jets, had had a huge year last year, leading the Jets in rushing. Goes down to Jacksonville. He's going to be paired with your boy T.J. Yeldon. This this one hurts. Yeah. Uh, so Matt, we'll we'll let you get started. Yeah, it hurts. You know, Evan, I've been pumping up almost every one of our shows. Yeldon's my big buy low. You know, I'd give up one three for him in a heartbeat. I might give up one two. You know, he's not going to score zero touchdowns again. He's in every down back. There's not much competition. And now I think he's a buy low. <laughs> and I, I want to end the show with one more deal I made, and, and I added Dorsett. I added Yeldon. And we'll get to that later, obviously. But this hurts him. I mean, it, it's certainly going to hurt him in 2016. My thoughts on it from a football perspective are the Jaguars had too much money. They got to spend it on somebody. 
let's get a bruiser. We, we were bad in short yardage situations. This might extend Yeldon's career. You know, we'll run Ivory into the ground, and he's going to get hurt here and there. But it, it certainly hurt Yeldon's value. I, I don't think it helped Ivory's either. Yeah, it stinks. It stinks. I think they'll both be 11 to 16 touch per game guys in Jacksonville. And, you know, I, I, I do kind of like Matt's idea of trying to buy low now on TJ Yeldon. You know, pe people are like, people. TJ Yeldon owners have to be really, really frustrated and disappointed. And, I mean, if you can get him for a sec second round rookie dynasty pick, I, th I think you should you should try to do that. We've seen that he can play in the NFL. He's not a, a he's not necessarily a, a dynamic game game changer or anything like that. And he had a lot of touchdown opportunities taken away from him simply by the coaching staff last year, and that made him frustrating as well. But I think he can play in the NFL. I think he's an NFL starter a quality NFL starter who can play on all three downs. And if TJ Yeldon and if Chris Ivory gets hurt as he, as he has so often in the past, I think TJ Eldon's very capable of being a 20 to 25 touch per game guy. Um, you know, if given that opportunity, but yeah, the arrow is certainly pointing down on the surface on TJ Eldon after this move. And it's not a great landing spot for Chris Ivory either. I mean, I, 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 I don't know that I would necessarily say that TJ Yeldon's definitely better than Chris Ivory at this very moment, um, but he's certainly more versatile. He's a better all-around back, and I mean I think they'll be used equally. However, Ivory could get hurt in Week Four, and Yeldon could end up with 1,200 yards. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean anybody could get hurt, but Ivory always gets hurt. Yeah, 2015 was really an outlier for Ivory as far as staying healthy for the majority of the season and, and just that level of production. So I, I think Yeldon is a great buy low. I don't think you can get him for a second-round pick. You mentioned that, Evan. Uh, if you can, run to accept that. I still think he'll cost a late first-rounder, and, and I'd probably I'd be willing to do that. Ryan, let me throw my deal out there then. I mean, we keep talking yeah. about these guys. I sent Josh Gordon, 1-7, 1-8 for Carlos Williams, Yeldon, Dorsett, and I also moved up from a third to a second in 17. And I caught a lot of heat on Twitter for that. Um, like to me, Dorsett and Yeldon are better than 1-7 and 1-8. Yeah, I probably disagree with you there. I, I think, I, I mean, I just think you gave up too much value. I'm not saying... Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it can't work for you in the end. I, I like Carlos Williams as a buy. I like Yeldon as a buy. I, I've never been a big Dorsett fan, so um, I disagree with you guys on that one. I just think, you know, closer to the draft, to the rookie draft, you could have gotten, you know, you maybe could have been able to keep one of those picks, give up one of those picks in Gordon for that, that trio. And so, as we've talked about over and over, I don't like this rookie class. I mean, I, I don't like what would have been sitting there at 7 and 8 for me. Maybe I'll warm up to them, but I'm dumping all those picks. Probably well, too too cheap. McD, why, do you, why are you kind of down on Dorsett? Uh, you know, I just, I mean, he's just that speed guy. He, I, I'm a little wary of those guys who climb, you know, from the end of the college football season to the, to the NFL draft. Those guys who go from third or fourth rounders to late first rounders like we saw with Dorsett, that just scares me a little bit. So I, I'm just not sure he earned that first round grade. Along with that came first round value in dynasty rookie picks. So I would have been fine grabbing him in the middle of the second last year, but 
but he was long gone by that point. Well, Ryan Grigson obviously disagrees with uh, your evaluation of Philip Dorsett, um, and at the same time, that may bode very well for your evaluation of Dorsett. Exactly. I, I feel even more confident now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, one of our favorites is is our number eight seed, Ladarius Green. He leaves San Diego. He's been playing in Antonio Gates' shadow for, for years. Goes to Pittsburgh. Heath Miller just retired. Some clear opportunity. I, I don't know about the team fit. Of course, I love Ben Roethlisberger throwing him the ball, but he doesn't seem like that Steelers type of player. And maybe that's just because we're used to seeing Heath Miller, you know, lumber down the field and drag a couple guys with him. Uh, he's he's nothing like Heath Miller. Can he work in Pittsburgh? I think he can. I mean, I think he can block. He's got really, really long arms, which helps him, help him as a blocker. The Chargers used him a ton as a blocker. You know, I think a lot of people think of him as just a, like a size speed guy who probably can't block, but he can block and he can run and he's huge. And when he's had opportunities, he's made the most of them. I mean, there, there are underlying huge question marks on him. Like, why couldn't he get on the field? You know, why do the Chargers let him go? You know, they have to know that Antonio Gates is super old. You know, why did they let him go? Why did they not make more of an effort to, you know, feed him the rock? You know, lots of question marks there. But, I mean, with Mar the Martavis suspension, I, I mean, I think this is an awesome, awesome landing spot for him. Um, the Steelers wanted him. They initially set up a visit for the Thursday after free agency, but they pretty much just signed him even before the visit um, or agreed to terms, you know. And, um, I mean, I, I love the landing spot. Before the Martavis suspension, I was like, eh, he, might be a, he might be a disappointment, you know, might not be a full-time player, might be like a 39-catch guy who has, you know, a two-touchdown week earlier in the season, and everybody spends the rest of the year chasing that. Um, but I, I think he has a chance to get fed right now. And, I mean, I know that Antonio Brown, of course, is going to command his 200 targets or whatever, but his his arrow, I think, w was kind of kind of teetering up a little bit going to Pittsburgh initially, and now I think it's really, really shooting up with the Martavis suspension. I think he will be a full-time player. I do too, and you know I've been here in Pittsburgh my whole life. I'm a Steelers fan, and when this happened, I was kind of like, hmm, that's kind of weird. You know, Miller retired, and I was often asked on the air, you know, locally here, what do you think they'll do? And I, I kept saying they'll go get Mercedes Lewis or Jermaine Gresham, or yeah. maybe if they get crazy, they'll get Dwayne Allen. You know, but I didn't see this coming. And then they made the deal, and they made the deal, and I'm like, well, maybe they're changing their philosophy of what they're going to do at the tight end position. You know, kind of catching up with the rest of the league in some ways. And then it comes out that Bryant's gone for the year. And then you go, oh, that's why you signed Hayward Bay the second free agency opened. And you went and got this big, long downfield receiver who Phillip Rivers said was the fastest player on the Chargers offense. Now I get it. I mean, I think he'll be detached a lot with Spates and Jesse James as like the inline wide type guys. And he'll be as much receiver as he will be tight end. I think they'll push down the field with him. And I, I really like the pickup. I, I From what I've been hearing on Twitter, though, I think he's more of a sell than a buy. For It sounds like people are getting you know early second-round picks for him, that type of thing. I don't think I'm that on board from a numbers perspective. So do you uh, – you mentioned Jesse James, Matt. Do you still see him having a role in the offense? And 
does he have any dynasty value from that role? I think they like him. You know, and I say this a lot that rookie tight ends. I put the least amount of faith in of what I saw that first year. I mean, that's a really hard transition. Um, I thought he flashed, though. I mean, I think he exceeded expectations in the little we saw of him. Needs to get a little stronger. Um, I, I think he's in the plans, but, I mean, as far as dynasty, he's end-of-roster type guy that you cut right before your rookie draft type of guy and keep an eye on. All right, let's move to our number seven seed. This is a guy we've already mentioned uh, earlier in the show, Kobe Fleener. Leaves Indianapolis, he goes to New Orleans. New Orleans had Ben Watson last year. He he left them for Baltimore, and that's kind of a surprising move to me. But um, Fleener's not been a guy I've, I've really been a big fan of. But in New Orleans, I think he he's gained some big time value. Uh, Evan, what do you see out of Fleener? Oh yeah, I mean, can you guys think of a better landing spot that Kobe Fleener possibly have, have gone to? No. Absolutely not, right. No. No. So he, and, you know, there are reasons that the Colts let him go. You know, he's he's kind of a soft player. He's a, he's a big-time finesse tight end. Um, he, you know, he's, it seems like he plays scared sometimes. But this is an offense where Ben Watson set career, like shattered his previous career highs in every stat category at like age 34. So now we have a really, really athletic tight end. He's like a basketball player, Kobe Fleener. Um, I guess that's become cliche with tight ends, the the basketball association. But I think this guy really should have played basketball with the way that he, with the way that he kind of conducts himself on the field. But you don't mean that uh, as a compliment. No, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but man, I mean, he, he, he could be an elite, fantasy asset for the next couple seasons. So totally if, agree. Uh, go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask ask Evan and you, Matt. If Fleener and Green, Ladarius Green, Kobe Fleener, if, if they have the same value, let's say, or the same cost in a dynasty league, which one are you taking? Oh, Fleener. Fleener. 100 times out of 100 for me. I don't know. What do you what do you think, M-Dub? It's closer because I really dislike Fleener as a player. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I do understand. I do. Yeah, I mean, his value went up enormously. His situation's great. I agree with everything you said. Marquise Colston's gone. You know, they're, he's going to get thrown to in the red zone. They're going to throw a lot. Their defense stinks. He's got Drew Brees. I just don't like the player. I mean, that's like one of my dynasty rules that I rarely break is if I don't want this guy on my football team, I don't want him on my dynasty team. I still think he has more value than Green, though. How much would we have loved Ladarius Green in New Orleans? A flop, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's awesome. let's move on to our number six seed. Uh, the veteran running back, Matt Forte, goes to the Jets. Everybody, myself included, got excited about that move for a little bit. Um, they, you know, they turned Chris Ivory and Bilal Powell into into fantasy starters last year in that offense. Uh, and then, but then the Jets followed that up by re-signing Powell, and they also signed Kyrie Robinson. So, uh, the the luster wore off a little bit. Can Forte continue to be an RB one? He he's never been outside of that top twelve PPR running back range in his entire career. Um, can he continue that in New York, Evan? 
I'd say absolutely. Uh, first, let's look at the contract that Kyrie got. One year, $1.75 million, 80000 guaranteed. I mean, if he doesn't bounce back from the fractured tibia, they could cut him with, and keep Zach Stacy. You know, um, it, th- you know that that could happen. So I don't know if I'm really factoring Kyrie. Although I do like him as a player, I'm not really holding Kyrie against Matt Forte at this moment. Uh, Bilal Powell comes back; he'll certainly have a role. Uh, I think his role will be very similar to what it was last year. And and I, I love the history of and getting into coaching narratives can can be dicey. I mean, it's gotten me in trouble before. Um, but I love the history of running backs under Chan Gailey, and I think it's a system thing because they play four wide receivers on 33% of their snaps, and, you know, they, they spread the field. You know, it's kind of like the NFL's version of the Mike Leach offense. You know, they, they just spread they spread the field, and there are big splits everywhere, and, you know, there are more gaps to run through. And, uh, you know, Fred Jackson had the highest yards per carry average of his career in, in, in Buffalo under Gailey. C.J. Spiller had his only awesome year under Chan Gailey. Chris Ivory had his career best year under Chan Gailey last year. Bilal Powell had had the best year of his career under Chan Gailey. Uh, so I really like the landing spot for Matt Forte. I think he's got enough left. I think that his game will age well because he's that all-purpose back. And um, I, I just I, I think he has a couple more years left in him of being a really solid NFL running back, and I think he'll very clearly be the Jets' lead back. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think he's going to be a 25 touch per game workhorse, but I think he'll be 14 to 18 touches per game, and the offense is pretty good. And I, you know, I, I like the landing spot for Matt Forte. I mostly agree. And uh, you know, to expand upon that, I, I really like the Jets' offense. I really like Gailey. I don't think it's an accident at all that they bring in three running backs that all catch the ball very, very well, as opposed to Chris Ivory, who doesn't. You know, I mean, I think that's going to be a feature aspect of their team. Not to mention, they have no clue who their quarterback is, and it's pretty darn sure not going to be Aaron Rodgers or somebody that doesn't. You know, it's going to be somebody that needs easy throws to running backs. So I think running backs catch a ton of passes in this offense collectively. He just scares me. You know, the one thing I disagree with is I think he could fall off a cliff. He's not super powerful. He's not super explosive, even on his best day. He's not super elusive. If, if he decreases by 5 or 10% or whatever in all areas, and, you know, you, you go back to his, his workload in terms of all his touches as a receiver, all the rushes, he hasn't missed much time. He was an absolute workhorse in college. I just don't think there's much tread here. So... When all this news came out about their backfield, I've been actively trying to get Bilal Powell on the cheap. I mean, I, I think he's going to be the guy to own there. Wow, that's interesting. On the real cheap. I mean, I'm not giving up much. Yeah. He'll, he'll, right. I, I expect Bilal Powell to be useful. You know, a, a useful yeah. guy that you, you, you want on your roster that shouldn't hit the waiver wire, you know. Let's move to our number five seed. This one is somewhat unde- undecided undetermined. C.J. Anderson has signed an offer sheet with the Miami Dolphins. The Broncos have um, a couple more days to, to match that, and and reports are that they will, But and maybe you guys have some more uh, information on that than I do. Uh, thoughts on Anderson? To me, it seems like the Broncos are telling us what they think. You know, they never really gave him the lead role back. You know, he, he was in a timeshare with Ronnie Hillman, who is not that good. 
he uh, you know they they tendered him at the lowest level original tender and he was a, an undrafted free agent so they they basically said you know go see what you can get and he did I don't know do you first of all do you think Denver matches and and what's what's the future hold for CJ Anderson either way MW do you think that Denver will match I don't think they like him you know kind of, kind of yeah. like Ryan was saying I mean from an outsider's perspective He's way better than Hillman. I, I never understood that at all. And at the beginning of the year, I thought he was kind of banged up, and I, I just, you know, just kind of poo-pooed it that way. But I mean, he should have been the lead back every second of every time he was healthy. Um, you know, I'm not in the room. You know, maybe they don't trust him to pick up the right protections, or maybe they have to limit the playbook or something along those lines that we don't know. You know, they know more than we do. And then they don't offer him anything. I think they've played this extremely poorly. If they match, they look even worse. But they now have money. You know, they let Osweiler walk. I think you have to match. I think he's a number one running back on their team. I think he's an RB1 for redraft. I really like the player. If he ends up going to Miami, I think it hurts him a little. You know, I think the Dolphins, as good as a guy he ever looks, he's a fifth-round pick because he has degenerate knee problems. You can't just trust him. I mean, for dynasty value, I think it's better if Anderson stays in Denver, although they would probably use a third- or fourth-round pick or something on a back, too. Yeah, I don't think the landing spot is necessarily ideal. You know, they they are they ever gonna like go get some guards who can block people? I mean, yeah, right. you're talking about Miami, man. Both, both, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think that he would be used as an every down back in you know a, a legit workhorse under Adam Gase. I think that Adam Gase sees him as that, and I think that that's why the Dolphins were pretty aggressive about going and trying to get him. And you know, this is pretty rare that restricted free agents sign offer sheets you know only ha only happens maybe one to three on one to three players per year so the usually in New England yeah and the team that is doing it usually I mean that, that's they're doing it because they really want the player so I think they would love you know I think they would use him as a guy you know 20 touches or more per game and I think that would be good uh, for C.J. Anderson's value. I, I think that, you know, he's – I mean, I agree with you that it seems like the Broncos just are not that high on him. Keeping him in the rotation, giving him the low tender, I don't know, but I still think it could go 50-50. I th I st like, it wouldn't shock me if they, they matched it because it's it's not like a bad contract. It's $4.5 million a year. Um, for a running back who's averaged, you know, well over four and a half yards per carry over the past two seasons. I mean, from my eye, I think he's a really good receiver, and it seems like he's a good blocker. You know, he's built low to the ground. He's a tough inside runner. He, I mean, I, I love C.J. Anderson, you know. Um, I, I think if you're a dynasty owner, you're like, okay, you know, I, I could deal with it e either way. All right, let's look at our top four seeds, and, and just like college basketball, these are these are the most important stories of the past week. Marvin Jones leaves Cincinnati, which, again, was expected. They lost Sanu. They they did uh, apparently want to uh, want to hang on to Jones, but he took the money. He goes to Detroit where we saw Calvin Johnson officially retire this past week. Marvin Jones in Detroit. I, I don't know. I mean, Golden Tate's there, obviously. I don't know if they really complement each other well. Is Jones the number one target in, on that offense? 
For me, you know, it starts with Matthew Stafford, who has always been a guy to me who I think decides who he's going to throw the ball to, like when he breaks the huddle. You know, not not like a refined quarterback that you know goes through progressions and you know dissects the defense. He's he's a guy who he's he's going to throw it to Golden Tate. You know, he, he certainly did that with Calvin Johnson. Now Calvin Johnson is obviously a different breed, but I think that that familiarity will. I I mean I I think actually Golden Tate gets gets a pretty big boost here. Um, I know that people like to diminish Golden Tate a lot, but he's going to run high percentage routes. They're going to keep him using him in the slot a lot, and he's got that familiarity with Matthew Stafford, and that to me goes a long way. I mean, you, you can go back and look at the stats that Golden Tate has put up when Calvin Johnson has been out or used as a decoy, and I mean, I think that Marvin Jones is a good player, and I think the Lions had to go do something, and I don't think his contract is terrible. You know, eight million a year isn't isn't terrible in this market. I mean, Snacks Harrison, who's going to play forty percent of the Giants' snaps, got almost ten million a year. So um, I don't think it was a terrible contract. I think that Marvin Jones will help the Lions' offense, but I think Golden Tate will be their number one. I think he'll lead them in catches, yards, and quite possibly touchdowns again this year. And um, I I like the way that things have unfolded. If I'm a Golden Tate owner uh, this off season. Totally agree. I think he's a clear one. I think he's the better football player. He's more familiar. Uh, I think Ebron's role has to grow a little bit. I mean, or at yeah. least they're going to hope. I think Riddick's still going to catch a ton of passes. I think Abdullah's probably going to catch more passes and be more involved in the offense. This doesn't change my opinion really on anybody, uh, to be very honest. I, I don't think it's that big a move. I, I understand that you know why would this should be you know, like number four or whatever on our rankings because you know it's a he's a clear starter. It's big money. I just think he's just a guy. All right, so our number three seed was was not a free agency move. It was not a trade, NFL trade, but it was Martavis Bryant, who we learned uh, this weekend is expected to be suspended for the season. You know, we saw this this time last year with Josh Gordon, which immediately was followed by you know he'll appeal and maybe he only gets ten games and you know all this all this other talk that. I think at this point is really meaningless. I'm, I'm. Once this report comes out, I'm expecting Bryant to miss the season. Um, so, Matt, we know you're a Steelers fan. Talk about this from the Steelers' point of view and Bryant's dynasty value. Are, are you staying away? Are you buying low? What are you doing with Martavis? Well, I mean, a year ago, whenever they drafted Coates, I had somebody close you know, that knew what he's talking about say, "Hey, that's because Bryant's getting suspended." Just a heads up, you know, they know the issues with this young man. Let's just leave it at that. And I'm sure that they had, with the timing of it, they had to know about it uh, before free agency broke. And therefore, they reacted with a fast tight end in Hayward Bay, like we mentioned. Um, it, it really hurts Bryant's stock, just like it did Gordon a year ago. That doesn't mean he can't come back and, you know, be a great player. I honestly, he might be the most talented wide receiver in the league. I mean, that's how much I like him. I mean, in terms, people that long and that fast, shouldn't be able to run ends arounds and change direction and bend the corner, not to mention his ability to go up and get the ball. I mean, I love what he has in terms of physical gifts. He's obviously a knucklehead. Um, I hate the NFL rule, to be honest with you. I mean, that's a different topic altogether, but I think my kids are going to laugh that someone got kicked off the league because he was smoking grass. I mean, like, isn't it legal in every corner? You know, so, yeah. I mean, the whole thing drives me crazy. I've said that before, but I'm also super excited about Sammy Coates. 
So I, I mean, I definitely understand your your perspective on you know maybe the rule is is just done, but the rule's there. You know, he knows. Oh, the rule's I thought does excuse it. Yeah, he, I mean, he's but... he's been suspended before, as you mentioned last year. Uh, you know, I saw somebody on on Twitter made a good point. He he had a four game suspension last year, and then the Steelers sat him out an additional game. Yeah, that was weird. I remember when that broke, like on a Friday night, that he wasn't going to play. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah we, all, we all just kind of shrugged our shoulders at that. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that should have been a, a red flag or some, some kind of alert. Like, it, things are not right with this, with this guy. They uh, know who he is. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, but, you know, then he comes back and he makes this crazy catch against Cincinnati where he's doing a somersault and... and now he's a second-round dynasty startup pick. So all of that happens, you know. But it's it's just so frustrating as as a Steelers fan, I'm sure, Matt, and, and as a dynasty owner, if you've got Bryant, uh, Evan, are are you buying low on this guy? Are you are you giving? I, I saw him traded for the 2.03 rookie pick. Our buddy Carl Safchik gave up the 2.3 for him. Are are you doing that? I mean, all I know is that I'm sad because I'm a Martavis Bryant dynasty owner. And uh, last February or January, um, I had the 1.01. And I really wanted Martavis Bryant. And my decision was either going to come down to Todd Gurley, who at that time, I mean, you know, I'd watched him play, loved him, but he was a running back coming off a torn ACL. And. It was either gonna, so it was either Todd Gurley or Martavis Bryant, and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm giving up 1.01 for Martavis, <laughs> and that paid dividends a lot this this year. It's a PPR league, you know. Todd Gurley not catching passes. Martavis Bryant had some monster weeks, and now it's just like, well, I shouldn't have done it, you know. But um, <laughs> this is this is what we go through for these enigmatic underachievers with monster upside that just kind of never fulfill their potential. And that seems to be the road that Martavis Bryant is now headed down. I would rather have Martavis than the 2.03, especially this year, because I think the 2.03 is just like you're taking a stab at a running back. You know, you're, you know, maybe taking Devontae Booker or, you know, Kenneth Dixon or, you know, and just hoping that they, you know, get a chance at some playing time. And, you know, it's just, it's just kind of like a shot in the dark. Whereas, you know, with Martavis, at least, I mean, we know that he can dominate in the NFL. That's, we know that he can dominate. That has a lot of value to me. Um, but it's just, uh, it's so, so disappointing. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I hope the dude gets, gets it together. I'm not trading him. Yeah, I agree. I, I'd rather have the I'd rather have Brian over the two three as well. Uh, I do think that's probably about the price point where you're going to see him shopped for those late ones, early twos. Uh, our second seed, Demarco Murray. This this is really the the news that started the the whole week of free agency and trades. Demarco Murray gets dealt to the Tennessee Titans. I, I talked earlier during the Sanchez segment. The Eagles are just dumping everybody. They they made the other trade with uh, Kiko Alonso and, and Maxwell also just getting rid of anything Chip Kelly related. They got almost nothing for, for Murray, and he's he's going to be the bell cow in Tennessee. I think he can really bounce back. Matt, what do you think? Sort of. You know, I, I said a year ago when he was hitting free agency, 
this is the biggest buyer beware free agent out there. I think it, by far the best season we'll ever see from him is 2014. I didn't love his talent before. I mean, before you know, before we saw him in Philadelphia, I think he's a good back. He's not Marshawn Lynch, you know. I mean, he's not a, a great back who can make a lot of space on his own. This is very good for him, though. I mean, I, I, he's going to get a lot of carries. I understand what the Titans are doing. I don't really like the player, you know, but I think they look at it like we need a stable guy. We want to hand the ball to him a million times, like Malarkey did to Turner and Bettis and the guys like that in his back in his past. Ride Murray into the ground if he isn't already driven into the ground already, and then we're going to take it back in round one next year, you know, to to finish our re- rebuilding process. So he might have a good year, uh, but I bet the film's not as good as the numbers. Yeah, and I think the film has been kind of not very good for longer than people think. Yeah, I think that toward the end that meat of on the, the bone comment. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that yeah, everyone thought Randall was an idiot, and he probably is. But he said, "Boy, he left a lot of meat on the bone." He kind of did in Dallas in 2014. He did that late in the season too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, it just it seemed like he was lacking burst. You know, which actually is understandable. I mean, the dude had 497 touches, including the playoffs. And then last year, I think he had some nice runs in between the tackles, but he looked slow, man. I mean, he I thought he looked slow. And I, I know that people say, oh, he's not a scheme. He wasn't a scheme fit for Chip Kelly, and I agree with that. But I, I also kind of question, what does he have left? But at the same time, like you mentioned, you know, even if the dude is averaging three three point seven yards per carry, like he's going to keep getting fed by Mike Malarkey. So he'll be an interesting guy to kind of debate in the redraft season. And but I, but I, he's looking at a monster workload, and dudes who get the ball a lot are always going to be good in fantasy. And that's what he's looking at right now. And I think that there's an arrow pointing up on the offense. You know they. They prioritize their offensive line. I don't know if Ben Jones is a difference maker, you know that that sort of thing. But they 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 went out. They side Rashard Matthews, Dorio Green Beckham. Arrow should be pointing up on him. Kendall Wright should be back healthy. I love 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 Marcus Mariota. Um, Tunsil. Tunsil, right? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah, so and Putasi should be better in his second year. He was a really raw dude coming out. I mean, they, the they, they have some serious talent. I think on the offensive side of the ball, and um, he's going to get a ton of work. So he should be productive in fantasy. He should be productive, even though I think he slowed down. So are you are for either one of you guys? Are you buying Demarco Murray? Are you giving a late no. first rounder for him? Nope. Evan, late first rounder for Murray. I love trading rookie picks. I love just just bailing on rookie picks. So I would think about that. I I, I would think about that a late one this year. Yeah. I, I think that I think that's what about he's what what he's about what he is worth. I might own him in redraft though. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Well, because he's going to get you know 500 touches again. <laughs> right. So we we can debate Murray. Uh, one one running back who did gain some value, at least in my opinion, this week is Lamar Miller. He leaves Miami, who did not want to give him more than 15 touches a game, uh, and he goes to Houston. Uh, obviously, they they dumped uh, Aaron Foster. He had the injury. His his time there was had clearly come to an end. 
they had no answer after Foster went out. You know, Alfred Blue and and Grimes and all these. You know, there was there was just nothing there. They had to get somebody, and they get arguably the best running back available, Lamar Miller. I think he's pushing to get into, or I guess to get to the top of that second tier behind Bell and Gurley. You know, he he could be in the in the RB three argument overall in Dynasty. Evan, what do you think on that? I mean, my eyebrows kind of raised just because I haven't really thought about it, you know, in terms of ranking them for Dynasty yet. Um, you know, we've been blurbing on Roto World, and I haven't been able to put together any ranks or anything like that. But, I mean, all I know is that I love the landing spot. Um, I think that we're going to see, you know, I think what Brock Osweiler did successfully was um, run, run bootleg offense. And I think Bill O'Brien will do that. And I think that Lamar Miller will get fed like people have wanted him to get to get fed. And um, I think that Bill O'Brien loves to run the football. You know, he's been the coach of the Texans for two years. They finished first and fifth in the NFL in rushing attempts in those seasons. And I think Lamar Miller can ball, you know. Um, the Texans, of course, got to see that up, up close and personal last year when he had almost 240 total yards and uh, I think one or two touchdowns against them. I mean, I, I love him. I was on uh, – Chris Harris's podcast uh, the other day, and he was not as high on Lamar Miller. Can you guys come up with a good argument ag against him? A little one. You'd be like, totally okay. agree. Really good landing spot. We mentioned they've ran a ton of plays. They'll probably get yep. better on offense. I would think that they'll use a high pick on an offensive lineman. You know, after losing Brooks and Jones, and that's that's promising. I think they'll add speed to some degree to stretch the field, which is promising. I think Miller will see the field more. I think he'll catch passes. But I always say this about this player because the big narrative with him in fantasy and every fantasy analyst out there has said at one point, the Dolphins are idiots. Why don't they give Miller the ball more? You know, and, and it's been what three or you know a handful of different coaching staffs or offensive coordinators or play callers. And none of them gave him the ball more. And as much as we think we know, they know more. You know, even the, quote, dumbest of NFL head coaches, offensive coordinators, they hang out with Lamar every day. And there might be a reason that he hasn't gotten a lot, a lot of touches. And like Greg Cosell always says, you know, you have to have that Emmett Smith mindset. You know, give me the ball to be a, a true workhorse. Maybe Miller doesn't have it, or they don't think he can handle that much of a workload. So that worries me just a little bit. I mean, that's the one concern I've always had about this guy, is there's a reason he's not getting tons and tons of touches. Yeah, I have that concern as well, and Matt and I have talked about that on here too. You know, we'll find out pretty quickly in Houston if that's if that's a legit concern or not. And, you know, for some of us it'll be too late by that point because we've – We've taken Miller, you know, in the third or fourth round of a startup, or you know, maybe we traded a first rounder for him, or something like that. He's his price will go up and has gone up as a result of this move. So, so Ryan, they, I don't know that we will learn because I think they think he's a bell cow. By the way, they paid him. You know, I think he's going to get a ton of carries. Does that mean he's going to break down or not? Uh, who knows? You know, I mean, uh, I don't know that he can't carry the load, but I just think some staffs, a couple of staffs, have thought that he couldn't. Is why he didn't get the ball. So, who knows? Yeah, there. I love the point that you made. You know, it's not just durability, that you have to have a special mentality. How many people on the planet 
have you know not only the athletic ability and the good fortune to stay healthy to be an NFL running back, but also have the mentality to absorb so many hits, get smashed by linebackers and pass protection. You know, there's maybe seven or eight people on the planet that have that have that combination, and it's really hard to find. But I think the Texans will give him the chance to be that, and um, I'm, I'm excited about him for sure. I he he may. He may go really early in redraft, though. Yeah, he might. Yeah. Yeah, Matt and I hosted, uh, Evan, Matt and I hosted an early MFL 10 the first week that they were available and uh, as part of the Dynasty Blueprint uh, podcast. And I think Miller fell to the fourth or fifth round, and, and I grabbed him there. So wow. I feel pretty good about that one. But <laughs> I, bet. I, I don't know if I'm a buyer in Dynasty, though. Um, so that's that's our list of our top 16 seeds, our 16 free agents, uh, players who have been traded, and and even threw in Martavis Bryant, who was suspended this year. One player, one more player, Evan, that I want to get your thoughts on. There are still a few free agents out there. One of them is Reuben Randall, one of your <sighs> one of your personal favorites. Hey, hey, hey. Where where where's Rube going to end up, and is he even worth a dynasty roster spot at this point? Man, I, I love the. Uh, have, have you guys been following Fantasy Douche? The, uh, the the tweets that he has about Ruben Randall's on his Google alerts. It's so funny. <laughs> I haven't um, seen that, but I'll have to go back and check. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, I think he's a guy who has like ability, but he's just he's going to be a career. He's always going to be an underachiever. Yeah. And it seems like he's lazy, and that's probably why coaches don't like him. I know Kevin Gilbride didn't like him. You know, Ross Tucker told me that. Um, understandably, uh, you know, he was a monster recruit at a high school. You know, just always been like, you know, the number one. You know, he's supposed to be the next star. Played at LSU. You know, he was pretty good. Just never got better. Just kind of, you know, maybe had everything handed to him. He just, he just plays lazy, and I think he's lazy off the field as well. And his, his tape has not been good for the last two years. So I don't think any team's going to rush out to sign him. You know, he'll be a second or third wave of free agency guy who uh, a team will, the receiver needy team will bring in and give a chance to. And he, you know, um, you know unless he wakes up, and who knows if Ruben Randall's going to wake up at this point. Um, unless he wakes up, like he, I mean, he could be out of the league, you know, by, by August technically, you know? So, um, I don't know, maybe the, maybe the Browns will bring him in and he'll, he'll get a bunch of targets, but, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not too optimistic about Rube Randall right now. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a Brown or a 49er to me. <laughs> he does. <laughs> <laughs> not meant as a compliment. Right. All right. Well, thanks again to Evan Silva, our guest today. Uh, check out his work over at Roto World. Follow him on Twitter at Evan Silva. Matt and I will be back next time. <laughs>